Welcome back to the Jesus Famous Podcast. Hey, today we're talking about a subject that has been uh, an area of confusion, I think, for a lot of people. It's the topic of becoming a slave for Christ. Why would apostles like Paul use the language of slave in reference to a relationship to Jesus? What does that mean for a Christian to be a slave to Christ? Well, today, Pastor Nate's going to talk us through what that means and how we as Christians can actually find joy um, through this position in Christ and being a slave for him, being people who live in obedience to him. So let's jump right into it. All right, Romans chapter 6. Nate, I think we should probably just jump right into this one because if anybody's looked at the size of this article, you know, we, we should just jump right into this because this, this could be a long conversation right now. You know, it's like, I know I read it. <laughs> you wrote it. Because I wrote it. And I, I think you read it. I, I read the whole thing. Yeah. A couple times. And I'm pretty sure my mom <laughs> maybe read it. <laughs> No way, more people read it. Just too long, too long. And I think that you, did you read this one on the readings in the podcast? I did do a reading of it, yeah. And so that's, yeah, in the Jesus Famous Podcast channel, it shows up there. And then also on the top of the article itself, yeah. And honestly, it was articles like these that Mm -hmm. gave me the idea. And then, you know, you were like, yeah, you should go for it, uh, to do recordings like that yeah because you know the ones that are four minutes in length i feel like well you could read those you know yeah but this one i think took 25 or 30 minutes to read through and to record so yeah they're just they're more like bible studies you know in length yeah book chapters almost but Romans six is beautiful it's worth writing about worth thinking about yeah yeah especially this passage Uh, verses 15 through 23 in chapter 6, just so rich. Can you kind of talk to us about what Paul was getting at in these these verses here? So in Romans 6, he really begins to deal with our identity right now as Mm -hmm. Christians. Romans 1 through 5, he said a lot of things about the gospel and what God has done for us and all of the things that are ours in Christ by simple faith in him. Mm-hmm. When you get to Romans chapter six, he begins to ask the question, like what should we do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, should we sin more so that grace can abound? Because in Romans five, he talked about how where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Right. Yeah. So the question is, you know, what do I do now? Should I, should I pursue sin? Should I, you know, kind of just decide that sin is not really a big deal? Should I just merely, exclusively, only focus on learning the gospel and then that will be the thing that helps me to just simply grow? Do I concentrate on overcoming sin? Like, what do I do? Right. So Paul's first answer to that question, you know, like the basest, brutish version of it, should I sin more that grace might abound? He says, certainly not. You know, you just definitely don't want to live that way. How can we who died to sin live any longer in it was his big question. Like, that's who we are. 
in Christ as we've actually died, you know, with Jesus on the cross positionally. We were buried with Jesus, he goes on to say. You know, mm-hmm. we, we were identified yeah. with him inside that tomb so that we might also walk with him in newness of life. So there's a new kind of life that we are to live in, that we're to walk in. We're to consider ourselves, he says here in Romans 6, dead to sin and alive to God, just like Jesus is. Jesus right now is as alive to God, the Father, as you can possibly get. He's as dead to sin as you can possibly get. So far removed from it. In fact, he's in a universe, if you could use that word for heaven, that is untouched by it that's how a a dead to sin he is we're to consider ourselves to be in the same position Mm -hmm. Um, but we obviously are walking on the earth still so what do we do Mm -hmm. well we're to romans 6 12 to 14 we're to make sure that we take these bodies for one and that we do not present our body parts as members of unrighteousness, that's kind of step one. Then step two is that then, after refusing to take these body parts and utilize them for unrighteousness, we want to then utilize them for righteousness. Right. So that, and this is where we're getting to this passage today, yeah. so that a slavery can develop in us. It's like, whoa, that's freaky. Why would I want that? <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems that we are going to be enslaved to one thing or the other. Right. We're either going to become the slave of sin leading to death or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Mm. So this passage is addressing that. This mm. is the slavery that comes. This is, and, and the one that we want, of course, is the slavery to righteousness, where righteousness becomes a second uh, nature, if you mm. could use that expression way of life and the more we present our bodies as instruments of righteousness the more that that becomes the habitual regular Mm. experience of our lives now it isn't just moralism or uh, the conforming of our habits or something like that it's actually drawing down from the truest most heavenly reality what actually is into my life today. I'm to consider myself dead to sin like Jesus is and alive to God like Jesus is. And as I present my body in a certain way, I am drawing down by faith that reality into my everyday experience. So it's not just, you know, tricking myself into being different, conforming my flesh or something like that. I'm actually putting on the truest me and then becoming enslaved to it. That's really fascinating. I wonder if we could just talk for a minute about that word slavery. We don't need to talk about it for a long time or anything, but I did find it interesting that Paul uses the word slave as opposed to like maybe servants or something like that. Maybe something that has more of like a free will kind of element to it. And I only considered that because it seems like, you know, Jesus has freed us from so many things and maybe the word slavery can just get kind of caught up in the weeds of our minds a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe explain just why maybe Paul would use the word slave particularly here? Yeah, that's a good question. My guess would be, I mean, aside from Holy Spirit inspiration, yeah, yeah. that's why. My guess would be true, true. because it has within it the 
like this concept of something is now forced from me. Mm. So like think of Galatians 5, for instance. Yeah, there he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So there's this thing that occurs as I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm enjoying the things of God. I'm living in the presence of God. I'm growing in my intellectual and experiential knowledge of yeah. God. And as I am... Uh, there's like this forced thing that happens. Hmm. I don't gratify the desires of the flesh. And there's this other forced thing that happens. I bear the fruit of the spirit. Wow. It comes yeah. out of my life. Hmm. You know, so rather than thinking of the fruit of the spirit, sometimes it's like this in like children's ministry, you yeah. know, not in our church, but <laughs> in some churches, you know, where it's like, here's the fruits of the spirit, like do them children. Totally. Yeah, totally. Whereas, you know, obviously you want to have a vision for those things, but there's this idea of like, you're walking in the spirit. There's this outcome that. It's like forced, it like it's going to come yeah, gonna out happen. of your life. So it obviously, you know, hmm. in our our history, in our minds, you know, there's a, like obviously a hyper negative connotation to the word slavery. And that is rightfully so. Yeah, for sure. But I love that he uses that word here as that kind of, uh, as a device to yeah. get us to go like, wow righteousness would like be forced out of me hmm. when I become enslaved to, to righteousness through wow. that life of obedience. Like that's really cool to think about. I would love for that to be so automatic in my Amen, life. Amen, man. Amen. That is so cool to think about kind of like just going off of that a little bit. You talk about presenting ourselves to either Jesus or to sin. It's like you're, presenting your body for righteousness or to sin. And I wonder if you can kind of talk to us about what that means to present our bodies. Like what would it look like for us to present our bodies to sin? And what would it look like for us to present our bodies for Jesus? And I only ask that because sometimes I know for me personally, I can look at doing good things, being a righteous person and may put like a, a bondage on me. It's not like, forced goods coming out of my life, but it's just like, you have to do good things so that you're presented well before God or something like that. Right. Right. So what, what does it mean to present yourself well before the Lord? Yeah. I mean, to me, so much of it has to do with the, the thought process within your own mind mm. and within your own heart as you're going through those things. So right. I, th I think that it's possible for someone to go through the exact same external actions but with the completely wrong or right motivations totally. behind it so i think in a previous episode we talked about uh for an, an ex as an example a family making a decision to adopt a child because mm -hmm. they sense the lord leading them and directing them into you know that um avenue of obedience to the Lord. Like right. we're going to take these bodies, these finances of ours, we are going to present them as instruments of righteousness to God by 
bringing a child into our home so that they can feel love that we have to give provision that we have to give all of that. So you can, there could be two separate families doing the exact same thing. One of them could say to themselves, this, I, we're doing this to try to uh, gain good standing in God's Mm. sight. Yeah. Uh, We, we believe that, this will help us to really become good people. Mm. This is what good people do. And so we're going to take this step in our, in our lives. There might even be a perspective that says, and you know, as we do these things, uh, because we believe in God, uh, we think that, that he is going to, uh, bless us for this thing that we have done and we feel that we kind of are owed that because we are doing this kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's the idea of like, I'm going to do this so that uh, either I can get something or so that I can be something. But then there's a another family they do the same thing. They're going through the same steps or going through all the same crazy classes right. and home studies yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But in their mind, it's not, I want to be a good person. So I'm going to do this thing in their mind. It's in the eyes and mind of God. I, I actually already am this, right? You know, right. I, I am with the Lord. I am righteous before him. I have that newness of life. And there are these things in this new life that I have with him that I have not yet tapped into. And I want to tap into those things. I want to experience what that's like. I want to have activated within me Mm. all these new levels of like obedience and devotion and joy and fruitfulness and positive impact upon my world that God says that I am and that Jesus definitely has. And I'm so intricately tied and woven to him. I want to like experience that and live that out. Is there an element of Mm. obedience there? Absolutely. Absolutely. But obedience in a sense, not just to God who is telling me to do this, but obedience to God who has said, this is who you are. Mm. So I'm obeying what he has declared about me. So I'm stepping into that, presenting my body for this act of obedience. And now I'm becoming like addicted to that righteous life that he's, you know, given to me and carved out Mm. for me. So externally, you look at both of those families and they look very similar. Yeah. Um, I think upon further inspection, you'd mm-hmm. probably begin to see some differences yeah. uh, in their stresses, pressures, the w- the weights that they carry as yeah. they're going through that process. I'm sure you could find some differences, but a cursory glance, you'd kind of feel like they're doing the same thing, but they're really not. They're doing it from two totally different vantage points. Totally. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, but. it does. And that really makes sense too. It kind of just goes back to what you were talking about earlier that, you know, somebody who's really found their identity in Christ, who's allowed God to speak that into them as they developed a relationship with the Lord. 
it just has to come out that obedience. It has to come out that righteousness. It's just kind of forced, like you're saying. So that's man, I just love that perspective. Kind of moving on through the article, Nate, you say this really interesting line um, in the middle of the article. You said, "As I present my bodies as instruments of righteousness, soon I will begin to experience the realities of a good form of slavery." And you've been talking about this a bit, but. Can you talk to us for a minute about the benefits of obedience to Jesus? What can people look forward to as they present their bodies to Christ? Mm. Well, yeah, I'll just briefly say, I mean, every, every single thing that God asks for us to do, every single thing that he teaches us is right mm-hmm. or teaches us is wrong, there's, a, there's a, always a really beautiful and good why behind all of those things it's not arbitrary or pointless it's filled with purpose Mm. every command of god is filled with purpose so there's always something beautiful something good something more full and whole and real and human about these different acts of righteousness that we walk into with the lord so you know obviously a, a really big one in our modern culture would be human sexuality. Right. So mm-hmm. in our modern kind of way of thinking about things, you know, our society in general is drifting more to a perspective that says, uh, I, I want to maximize joy and maximize pleasure. What's wrong with that? So, I will engage in sexual activity that I feel maximizes my joy and maximizes my pleasure. And if that means doing something that is, uh, you know, that, that God would say for Christians is forbidden, then, you know, so be it. I'm maximizing joy. I'm maximizing pleasure. But the Christian would look at what God says about human sexuality and say, no, God wants the same thing. He mm-hmm. He wants yeah. that maximized joy, that maximized pleasure. It's just that he stands at odds with the perspective of so many as to how that comes. That in the long range run of life for an individual human being or an individual couple mm-hmm. or a community or humanity collectively for them to have maximal joy and pleasure it would come if we obeyed what god's word says about human sexuality Mm -hmm. so that's just an example you know i i I think i'm answering your question you are yeah yeah yeah. just interesting to find that you know, obedience doesn't just lead to right standing with the Lord or something like that. Although I think the Lord just takes delight in that, but that there's just like these real benefits. It seems like God just sees obedience and he's just like, you're going to be able to reap some of the fruit from being obedient. Yeah. To me. It's by gift. design. It's yeah, just, it's just, just this that. beautiful by design thing. You know, it's like yeah. when I, when I talk to my children, you know, about money, for instance, right. you know, and I talk to them about like saving and stuff like that. I'm not, trying to bum them out i'm not trying to <laughs> yeah you know show them something that i'm like hey if you really want to make me happy and be in good standing with me then you'll save your money right. that's not it 
what I want for them is I want their maximum yeah. joy and gladness mm-hmm. in life. But I just realized that if they go to the 99 cent section of Target and buy a bunch of junk <laughs> over the long haul, there's going to be a moment of happiness, yeah. of course, as they walk out of the store with their bag full. But, you know, come Christmas time when they want to buy gifts for right. somebody or come a special trip when they get invited and they don't have any spending money or when someone invites them out to the movies and they can't buy a ticket, you know, when those things happen, you know, I'm thinking of all that when I mm. think about you know, savings. And, you know, obviously those are small monetary examples that I'm giving, but our father in heaven, everything that he's given us for how we're to live our lives. It's, it's this loving father who has said, this is the best possible life that you could live. Please enter into this with me. And now through the gospel, we actually can is the beautiful joy of it, man. Awesome. I just love that. Well, let's just wrap this up with one last question, Nate. Um, how do we continue to present our bodies to Christ? Like, how do we continue to do that in obedience? And maybe if you have an example, I'd love just to hear how um, something's been helpful for you as you've been kind of going through the journey of being obedient, whether that be prayer or Bible reading or community, whatever that is. But how can we just continue to move forward in obedience? Yeah. Well, in the passage itself, Paul said, I'm speaking in human terms right? because of your natural limitations. So that's part of the answer to your question about mm-hmm. why did he use the word slavery? He used it right. because he, he's saying, I, I, I'm having a hard time communicating this in any other way. So I used a yeah. human term because of the natural limitations of our own mind to help you understand what this is like. He said, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and a lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. So what he's saying there is the same way that you did things when you were pursuing unrighteousness, then take those same aggressive, devoted principles and use them now Mm -hmm. in your pursuit of righteousness leading to sanctification. So I just pointed out a few things when I when I wasn't, you know, in Christ and I wasn't walking with the Lord that I pursued and just thought about how to translate them into my modern pursuit of righteousness leading mm-hmm. to sanctification. So the four are simply this. Number one, I pursued community back then. You know, I surrounded myself with people that were like-minded, that were pursuing the same things that I was pursuing in a mm-hmm. sinful kind of sense. You know, I've tried to find the parties and find the people that had the same kind of values as I did and to encourage each other in that behavior. So now in Christ, we want to cultivate a different kind of community, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ that we're like-minded with, that we're moving in the right direction with. Uh, in in number two, when I was in that time, I spent time learning, you know, Mm. it's, it, there, there are certain things that you have, you have to learn in order to be better at sin, you know, that you have the propensity inside of you, but someone has to show you how to, operate that bong for instance so there was the learning you know how do you do this how do you do that well same thing in christ 
You know, I'm going through that process. I'm, I'm reading, I'm learning, I'm, I'm listening, I'm studying, I'm thinking, I'm trying to figure out how the scripture applies to different various, different aspects of culture, you know, things like that. So learning. Uh, number three, when I was in that old life, I would plan on sin, you know, I would, I would, okay, Friday night this is what we're doing. This is what's going to happen. This is what life is going to be like. I would plan, I would scheme, I would connive. And in Christ, there is also uh, planning, you know, there is setting aside certain portions of your day, setting aside certain portions of your income. There is an actual plan that is involved. It doesn't just happen on the pure response hmm. of emotion right. that response of, of emotion leads us to make a plan like with my wife it's like you know on our uh, at first it was all emotion you know just response to yeah. emotion but then i started making plans like hmm. I, I love this woman i'm going to plan to save money to buy a ring right. i'm going to plan to go to premarital counseling i'm going to plan hmm to a, a wedding i'm gonna plan where we're gonna live i'm gonna plan all these different uh, plan my week so i could spend time with her you know so there's a plan involved and then number four uh i worshiped you know i i worshiped sin i i praised it for what i thought it could bring into my life but now we want to worship the lord you know so i think those are four ways to consider Okay, this is this is some of the stuff we want to do to develop that slavery to righteousness. If you'd like any more content from Pastor Nate, you can always find more resources at nateholdridge.com or calvary.com. And if you'd like to stay in touch just with what Pastor Nate is speaking about and writing about on a regular basis, you can go to nateholdridge.com and sign up for his newsletter there. Also, be on the lookout for Pastor Nate's new book called Let Us Hear. It's coming out soon, and you can pre-order it today online. Thanks again for joining us today in this conversation, and until next time, God bless you.